Hello and welcome to Can't Get Enough of Keanu, the nation's only Keanu Reeves-based podcast. No, this is Bomb Squad Movie Night. I am your host and master of ceremony, and I feel like uh, what my shirt implies right now, Joseph Henry Vrenick, and today I have with me Tanner. Tanner. When I wasn't on the show last week, people thought I retired, that I was done. But now that I'm here, people keep asking me if I'm back. And now, yeah, I think I have an answer for them. I'm thinking I'm back. Hi, I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. Uh, I'm a very confused pencil salesman. I'm Theon Greyjoy. Oh, hey, we, we have a dog murderer, Theon Greyjoy. <laughs> the reason this whole fucking series started. Uh, if you couldn't tell by those references, today we are talking about the latest action blockbuster to hit the big screen. John Wick Chapter 4, why we're not talking about Superman. Well, delays. We'll talk about that next week. But before we get into John Wick Chapter 4, we got to talk about our boy Keanu Reeves. The man, the myth, the legend, the ageless, enigmatic Canadian actor that we all all know and love from several blockbuster films and he's been having a humongous renaissance over the past few years so we're just gonna start with a very fun question about the man the myth the legend himself keanu reeves and that is what is your favorite keanu reeves movie tim you look very eager to go why don't you go first so uh, i would say that the keanu movies i'm most familiar with are the matrix movies and the john wick movies but i do want to give a shout out to a little film from 1986 called River's Edge. It's a coming-of-age teen drama where Keanu really gets to show a little bit more acting chops where he would normally play a more stoic kind of character these days. Uh, This is one where he really gets to be more emotive. It's just like a really good early performance for him. God damn it, Tim! Also gonna give a quick shout out to uh, probably my favorite Linklater movie, which is uh, Scanner Darkly. Uh, <gasps> weird animated shit. Uh, like it. Back to you, Joe. Okay, my computations are complete. You are just tackle tweak, but you are bug bite squared. What kind of bug? About to get fucked up, bitch beetle. The Scanner Darkly is very weird animated shit, and it's honestly a really solid movie. Tanner, what about you? What's your favorite Keanu film? So, if I'm to actually answer the question, my favorite Keanu Reeves movie is the same as everyone else's favorite Keanu Reeves movie. It's The Matrix. However, I am not going to say The Matrix. Just know that it's my favorite movie. However, I want to shout out two movies that Keanu Reeves is in. Maybe not necessarily the Keanu Reeves movies, but movies that he's in that I think don't get enough love and we'll probably never talk about on the show. Hi. Hi. Where's my wife? She's still at school. She's got cheerleading practice. The first of which is the 1989 Ron Howard film Parenthood. Keanu Reeves is barely in it, but I really love that movie. It's, uh, fun fact, takes place in the St. Louis area, so much so that there's actually a scene where one of the characters is dropped off by a Kirkwood Police Department cop car. When it's parked outside of this house, it's parked next to a palm tree. And uh, anyone who's from St. Louis can tell you why the visual of a Kirkwood cop to car next to a palm tree is deeply funny. You live with me. 
wouldn't live with you if the world were flooded with piss and you lived in a tree. And then the second one I also want to shout out that I really don't think we'll ever talk about this show is the 1993 Kenneth Branagh film, Much Ado About Nothing. Now, arguably Keanu Reeves may be the worst part of that movie. However, <laughs> I actually think his performance really works for that movie. It's maybe not the same type of performance as maybe a little out of line from the rest of the cast, but it's also a fantastic movie. It's probably my favorite Kenneth Branagh movie and fun fact, probably my favorite Denzel Washington performance. Back to you, Joe. Man, much ado about nothing. That takes me back to high school. I, I remember liking that movie quite a bit. I had rather be a canker in a hedge than a rose in his grace. It must not be denied, but I am a plain dealing villain. Yeah, I, I watched that in drama class. That was my introduction to it. And it was my introduction to, I think, Michael Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible, um, but also palm trees in the Midwest. That's something that Ron Howard and John Carpenter have in common. Uh, watch Halloween if you want to understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> Austin, what about you? What's your favorite Keanu Reeves film? Uh, Keanu has made one hell of an imprint on culture at this point. Once regarded as a total goof, shouting, I am an FBI agent! Now a beloved sort of like Zen warrior who makes audiences cheer with just the word, yeah. Sort of ruling out obvious picks like The Matrix, Point Break, and Speed. I agree with Tanner. Matrix is the best one. My personal favorite movie of his is the 1991 Gus Van Sant film, My Own Private Idaho. Woo! Keanu was brave taking hit after hit in these John Wick movies. But you know what also is tremendously brave? Doing an unmistakably gay art film with a gay director back in 1991. Youngsters, take note. This was eight years before Nathan Lane felt safe to come out, and he's gayer than a clutch purse on Tony night. Beyond the sort of surface level impulse stuff though, Private Idaho is a tremendously iconic indie feature. The late River Phoenix is present, and he's breaking our hearts. Dialogue is delivered in this sort of Shakespearean way that feels like a successful implementation of what Baz Luhrmann clumsily did in Romeo plus Juliet. That's just my opinion, though. And you would not believe how cool Portland, Seattle, and Rome look on 90s film stock. It is one of me and my husband's most cherished films, and we even have a fan-made music video of it up on YouTube that's sitting pretty at 912,000 views. Where did your friend? I don't know. I guess he doesn't like cops. Oh, yeah? I think that's how it looks. My pick is heavily influenced by who I am as a person, but I think Private Idaho has proved that Keanu Reeves can shine, even without cutting-edge VFX and, like, maniac stunt work. You can get addicted to a certain kind of sadness. Back to you, Joe. <laughs> All right, my time to shine. Uh... I'm gonna say the same thing that Tanner and Austin said. I mean, it's very obvious. The Matrix is probably my pick out of these, but I'm gonna save that for whenever we inevitably do a podcast episode on that. But my actual answer for this, I'm gonna go with another kind of obvious answer, but it's one that's near and dear to my heart. One of my favorite action movies of all time, Motherfucking Speed. Genuinely one of the best action movies ever. I want 
to say this was pre-Michael Bay's career. So, like, Michael Bay had not established who Michael Bay was yet. I think he only had bad boys under his name by this point. And uh, I'm pretty sure that this film influenced his style. Jan DeBont's action films and Michael Bay are pretty similar in look. But the, the action of that is genuinely incredible. Keanu Reeves is a fun, likable action hero. Sandra Bullock was a star in the making of that movie. She is ungodly likable in that. It also might have the genuine greatest movie pitch ever. So it's a bus and there's a bomb on it and it can only go at a certain speed. You got to defuse it. Just a couple sentences, you get the picture and that's exactly what you get and you get some of the greatest goddamn action ever. You're crazy. You're fucking crazy. Oh, no. Poor people are crazy, Jack. I'm eccentric. But speaking of really great action, we, we got a, another action movie that we're going to be talking about today, and that is John Wick Chapter 4. Let's get into our thoughts. Austin, what are your thoughts on John Wick? I want to take a, just a brief 20 seconds to say the premise of Speed, the Keanu Reeves movie, was very similar to this old Japanese movie called Bullet Train. All of us who watched Discotech Day this year saw the trailer for Bullet Train, a movie from like the 70s, and it has the same premise as speed that's getting a blu-ray release soon and i recommend you check it out because it might have been a heavy influence on speed but john wick 4 amazing fourth movie in a franchise was not on my bingo card for 2023 being honest uh but one of those evergreen action franchises like fast and furious or mission impossible was fucking fired at us like a three-hour sized cannonball and just like all the hitmen in this movie i learned the lesson you don't fuck with John Wick. Life is good. The crew damn near kept digging holes to fucking drop the camera in. And every ornate low angle shot looks better than the last. Hayden and Finch wrote a really satisfying final chapter, which had to be tough because the public just adores John Wick. The action sequences have that sort of Buster Keaton meets Jackie Chan ability to make everybody just delighted. Not to mention deeply afraid, imagining if any of this was filmed practically. Wick's impressive sort of action movie par was met or surpassed in almost every respect except, in my opinion, sheer brutality. I found the kills in Parabellum slightly more creative and visceral. Perhaps it would have been more difficult to sell the peaceful ending if John was like slowly stabbing another guy in the eye an hour prior. Still, uh, the film is wall-to-wall -wall stunts, even if the kills are slightly less gleefully disgusting to watch. I think it's a noteworthy coincidence that Hong Kong superstar Donnie Yen and British Street Fighter II boss Scott Atkins both have a prominent role in this chapter of John Wick's journey, uh, because the last time I saw those two together, it was in another stellar fourth action movie in a series, It Man 4, the finale. Although, unlike that film, Atkins isn't the big bad this time, although he certainly is the largest bad guy in this film. Presumably on that Enter the Spider-Verse Kingpin diet of woolly mammoth meatballs and theme park turkey legs, but in reality, John Wick's final boss is Bill Skarsgård as the sadistic Marquis. He dons a French accent like he's about to go tell Ricky Bobby that the Highlander movie was shit. Um, Skarsgård near instantly earns the title of the most hateable villain in the quadrilogy by unceremoniously fucking executing the recently deceased Lance Reddick 
if it weren't for the knowledge of knowing Lance's character was appearing in the Len Weissman film Ballerina next year, this could have been a deeply fucked up way to go out. But in the end, John does what John does and Barry Lyndon's the marquee out of existence. A kill that immediately follows one of the most satisfying one-liners since Keanu told Dennis Hopper, yeah, well I'm taller, in speed. John Wick Chapter 4 is a generous film, Chad Stahelski's directorial ruthlessness and industry expertise gave birth to one of Hollywood's most perfect action franchises, probably since Nolan's Batman movies. I'm adding that Hotline Miami-style Dragon's Breath shotgun sequence to my list of things I desperately wish I could experience for the first time again. What an astonishing logistical accomplishment. These films are sure to go down as classics, and hopefully other filmmakers will try to meet the high bar that the John Wick movie started fucking uppercutting into space nine whole years ago. Watching somebody count to four hasn't been this much fun since Ghost Protocol. I'm giving this one a nine out of ten. Back to you, Joe. Look at that. Oh, fuck yeah. That's what I want to get coming out of the warehouse. Uh, we're going to pass it off to Tim next. Tim, why don't you uh, take us off here? So I was uh, revisiting the first three this past week with Cody because uh, I wanted to refresh my mind. And uh, she had only seen parts of the movies before. So I was just like sort of a way to get us both caught up to speed. And then we went to see four in the theater the other night. And the first thing I said when we walked out of the theater was four two one three that is my new order four i think is absolutely my favorite out of this fucking franchise it was an absolute blast like the two hours 40 something minute runtime was definitely intimidating but i think every second of it is earned it feels like an epic in this series of like fun action movies like it felt like there were all of these like big arcs that felt very satisfying to watch and then like right as they're setting up the climax the movie fucking turns into the warriors for like 30 minutes mm -hmm. as soon as i saw that fucking mm. shot of the close-up of the lips i'm like oh they're doing the warriors fuck yeah it was one of those rare homages that like really felt in place in the world i absolutely loved it as austin mentioned uh, i think it's important to acknowledge the recent passing of lance reddick and how that made seeing his character die on screen much harder to watch like it hit much differently and much harder than i think they had initially anticipated that being said i think lance would want me to make this joke which is that bill skarsgård basically said you need a new concierge uh, <laughs> <laughs> overall very very good movie the action is absolutely incredible i do remember like early in the movie thinking like if john dies in this one such is life you know but Bill Skarsgård does not get to fucking kill this guy. That dude needs to die. And I'm so, so satisfied with the way they chose to go about that. It was such a perfect, satisfying way to end the story. And uh, I don't think it's quite on the same level of RRR as just being like a holy shit, I just witnessed that type movie, but it's close. So yeah, in conclusion, John Wick 4. Yeah. Back to you, Joe. You uh, you mentioned the the Warriors homage. It's like not not only is it framed exactly like how it is in the Warriors, the the, uh, the DJ's like lips up by the microphone, but they play. It's not the same cover, but they played like the exact same song that they do in the Warriors. So it's a mm -hmm. really really well done homage. Tanner, uh, what about you? What are you, what are your uh, thoughts on this film? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Tim, I agree. Four, two, one, three. Literally what my ranking in is, is as well, which is surprising because after John Wick chapter. So a little bit of context, a little inside baseball for you guys. We have a spreadsheet here for the podcast slash movie night schedule where we sign up for what episodes we want to be on. Uh, so I don't fuck up like I did last year for the Northman and forget to tell Joe when we're recording when he wanted to be on it. Uh, up until like a couple days ago, I wasn't on the one for John Wick chapter four because honestly, I just never really felt the need to see any of the John Wick movies. I hadn't seen any of them until about two weeks ago, maybe three. What happened was, I can't remember what recording it was, but after some recording, Joe sent in the group chat or the Discord server the knife scene from chapter three, and I went, oh, I'll watch this, and I watched that, and I was like, are all the movies like this? And Joe (laughs) told me, well, that's the best of it, but yeah. <laughs> he even did that over text. It was weird. I like, he somehow said, yeah, over text. It was fucking insane. Uh, so I went to binge the entire John Wick trilogy in about a week. I literally finished John Wick chapter three about 20 minutes before I got into a car to go to the theater to see John Wick chapter four. Uh, but I will say John Wick chapter three is my least favorite of the series. And my concern was it was the longest. And I thought it was starting to sort of shake under the weight of its own overly complicated lore and world building. And I was worried that with John Wick Chapter 4 being a whole nother 40 fucking minutes longer, that it would finally buckle under the weight of its lore and world building. Oh my God, dude, I'm freaking out. I am so stressed out. I feel like I'm having a panic attack. You wanna talk about stress? You wanna talk about stress? Check this out. Take a look at this. Jesus Christ. John Wick Chapter 4 instead has perhaps the most coherent and consistent world building of the entire franchise thus far. Mm -hmm. It never feels contradictory like it sometimes felt in 3. It's very straightforward. It's never confusing. They sort of trick it back to basics while introducing a bunch of cool shit to it. But when I say they take it back to basics, I mean the ending of this film is a fucking Aaron Burr versus Alexander Hamilton style duel. And, you know, I like to say if John Wick didn't die in that uh, duel, he would still be alive today. Just like Alexander Hamilton. God there we damn go. it. God damn it. That's a throwback. So anyway, back to the OC. This movie starts with a set piece in... The first action set piece is in Osaga, I think, right? I guess there's the bit with him in the desert, but I think the first big set piece is the one in Osaga in Japan. And I thought, holy shit, that was like a 20-minute long set piece, and it was fucking nuts. I'm worried the movie peaked early. And then every single set piece after that somehow managed to top the one before it, including a fucking insane sequence in the third act where it just goes full Hotline Miami with a top-down camera and everything with a fucking dragon breath shotgun. Holy shit, that was fucking awesome. Uh, John Wick Chapter 2, my previous favorite in the franchise, I thought, wow, that's like the platonic ideal of what an action movie can be. Well, after John Wick Chapter 4, I'm like, is that like one of the greatest action movies ever made? Yeah, I'm thinking. And it's been a week and I'm still, yeah, I'm thinking it is. It's like my third favorite movie of the year so far. The technical craft is off the chart incredible. Chad Stosinski was given like a $75 million budget. You could have told me that was a $200 million budget. The production design, gorgeous. The cinematography, gorgeous. The editing is really tight considering the runtime. Well, the way Chad Stosinski has evolved as a director from movie after movie after movie has been great. I can't wait for his Ghosts of Tsushima movie. And um, I gotta say, the ending, actually, I wasn't expecting to go into the 
new John Wick movie and actually cry in the theater. But that ending where he's just sitting on the steps and he's thinking about his wife, Helen, and he finally... And he cowboy bebops. Ding! He cowboy bebops at the end of the movie. He gets to join his wife, basically. He's gonna carry that weight. I should have fucking seen it coming when Lawrence Fishburne's like, After all, a man has to look his best when it's time to get married. Or buried. They use the Terry Jack song, Seasons in the Sun, for the trailer, and that should have told everyone he was gonna die. That song is about dying. Like you two, I think it was uh, sad that Lance Reddick died, especially considering the circumstances. And Austin, I'm not exactly happy that he's gonna be in the ballerina or whatever, because like you said, that one's directed by Len Wiseman. Uh, dear reader, you wanna know what Len Wiseman is best known for? Oh, no. Here are his three biggest movies. Oh, God. The Total Recall remake. Fuck. Underworld no. and live free or die hard. Oh, yes. The franchise is not in good hands. I'm sorry. <laughs> Back to you, Joe. Honestly, Len Weissman's <laughs> biggest project was probably being married to Kate Beckinsale, but that's. I mean, yes. You, okay, but that's like. <laughs> listen, I want to be nice to the man. I'm sure he's kind. And I'll say this apparently, he was one of the showrunners of that Swap Thing TV show from a couple years ago that everyone loved, but it got canceled after one episode. So okay. maybe that was his fault because I heard it was a spending project. Problem. All right, enough about Len Wiseman. My thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4. I'm going to put some context into my thoughts uh, for today because <laughs> we're going to need it, guys. <laughs> so have you guys ever seen that movie, The Menu, with Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy? Remember how John Leguizamo uh, is in that movie and there's like that whole section of the movie where Ray Fiennes describes how it's like he had a shitty like month. He finally got a day off in his life and he chose to go to the movies and he had a really shitty experience at the movies and that's why he's killing John Leguizamo. I relate to Ray Fiennes because my experience at the Alamo Draft House in St. Louis was a genuine fucking nightmare that it almost killed my loyalties to the Alamo Draft House. Imagine you have three stoner Scooby-Doo rejects to your left and the desperate housewives of Bel Air to your right. All of them are talking throughout the entire fucking movie. One guy's on their phone. Both the fucking desperate housewives, full fucking brightness on their phones. Most of the goddamn movie talking, reading the text the entire goddamn movie like that is not even the worst part the worst fucking part about it was the staff did fucking nothing i raised that goddamn order card i put it in there got ignored I do want to say, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, Joe. I think there's something wrong with their button system because when we saw air today, I pressed the button to try and get more water and nobody showed up. Management of the Alamo Drafthouse St. Louis, if you somehow watched this, uh, you might want to look into that because I genuinely had, this might honestly be the second worst movie theater experience I ever had in my life. N nothing will ever top the time I saw Creed on Thanksgiving, but it, it, it was a genuine goddamn nightmare and it has hindered my opinion on the movie because I was struggling to focus on a ton of the movie. So I can't entirely give this a fair ranking or rating, but I will say that what I was able to focus on, it was fun. I mean, of course, like with all these movies, the stunt work, uh, the stunt people need Oscars. That guy fucking falling down the escalator needs to win the Oscar. I will say I was genuinely worried about this movie because of the runtime, because something that was very special 
special about John Wick. It perfected the close to 90 minute movie when 90 minute movies are kind of a rarity these days. So the, the fact that these movies were getting longer and this one was almost three hours had me worried, especially because I'm not the hottest on the third one. Uh, I think the third one has the best action sequence of the whole franchise, but man, oh man, does it get overcomplicated with its world building. And I was worried that that was going to be the case with this one. Thankfully, it's not the case. Unfortunately, I did feel the runtime because of my bad experience, which was excruciating and awful. But you get a lot of really cool character stuff in this as well. John? Kane. They gave you my name. Yeah. I'm sorry. Me too. The thematics that are throughout the whole entire trilogy of young people being absolutely fucking arrogant to the rules and thinking they're hot shit. That is definitely strong here, though I will say Skarsgård, he's a good villain in this. He's not the uh, villain I wanted to see get their comeuppance the most in this entire franchise. That still goes to the fucker who killed the dog and started this whole thing off. Yeah. If I ever see Alfie Allen in real life, it's on sight. Tanner, simply watch seasons three and four of Game of Thrones. You will get exactly what you want. <laughs> I refuse to watch Game of Thrones on principle. Overall, fine. I might just have to rewatch it at home without any sort of annoying people distracting me the entire time to get a better grasp on the film. Alamo Drafthouse, I expect better next time. Thankfully, the screening of air that I went to after was better. So my loyalties have not died for you just yet, but you're on thin ice. However, we're going to go to commercial break and uh, we will be right back with more thoughts and opinions on John Wick Chapter 3. Four. Sorry. Fuck. I'm sick. I'm sorry. Go to commercial. Yeah. Sharon, would you help set the mood for our new guests? Of course, sir. You need a new desk. And we're back uh, from the ad break for another ad break. Tanner, you want to take this over? Do you like colors? Do you like movies? And do you like palettes? Well, boy, do I have a deal for you. <laughs> Look at that thing. That, new friends, is a movie palette of the movie Punch Drunk Love. And if you go to moviepalette.com, you can get one of your own for that movie or any other matter of movies, maybe even one of the John Wick movies. Go ahead and add whatever movie palette to your card, and while you're there, before you hit that press order button, go ahead and enter the code SQUAD15 for 15% off your order. Thank you, Tanner. Uh, we're going to jump right back into John Wick Chapter 4. Originally, I had general discussion, but we're going to switch it up because I'm pretty sure we all have the same like answer for the question that I had after general discussion, which was uh, favorite set piece. Should we all just say it on... Yeah, like, can we do three, two, one, and then say yeah. it? Yeah, all right, three, two, one, go. The hotline Miami sequence. sequence. <laughs> we're all <in> different answers! <laughs> it's No Way Home all over again. All right, let's uh, rotate around, I guess. Austin, you go first. You have a different answer. Uh, the Arc de Triomphe fight, no question. Uh, that clip of Eddie Murphy and Bowfinger makes me shit my pants already. The idea of having a prolonged fight scene in the middle of a busy roundabout where people are constantly getting rammed into by cars seems like something that should be fucking impossible to film safely. There was a part of me that was like, get out of the fucking road. But the filmmaker in me was like, oh, God damn, you guys really did it. 
Hell yeah. Tim, what about you? You said the club fight, right? Yeah, and like I do really love Austin and Tanner's answers as well, but uh, I do want to shout out the club fight. All the John Wick movies have a club fight, and uh, this one I think was my favorite one, especially because like at the end of it, he goes into that waterfall and it fucking turns into the Matrix Revolution fight. Love that shit. 10 out of 10. I, I want to say that this is the first time in one of these movies where it feels like the people at the club are actually responding to the violence that is happening. Yeah, they're just like, oh, oh, I guess oh, shit, there's still a fight. dance, though. Yeah, we're still going to dance. Like, they're at least acknowledging. They're still going to dance, but they can acknowledge that there's some violence. It's like some of them are acknowledging it. The rest of them, they're just kind of having a good time. Listen, uh, man, they're on so much ecstasy right now. They don't don't know what's happening. It's big Batman Beyond Return of the Joker energy of just like the clubs bumping, the bad guys are fighting, and there's water going everywhere. <laughs> Tanner, I think we both had the same answer, so I'll start with you first. Dragon breath, shotgun, go boom. Holy shit. <laughs> and that long ass takes, and they do it once, and you're like, yeah. And they then they do it again, and you're like, yeah! You know, we did not have the same fucking answer, funnily enough, because my pick is the goddamn, like, final, like, stairway fights. You you know that movie, The Exorcist? You know how fucking intimidating those stairs are? I I think this fucking stairs scene rivals The Exorcist stairs, because, Jesus Christ, there's so many goddamn stairs. He's only got a few fucking minutes left to get to the top of them. And then he gets knocked all the way the fuck back down in the best act of physical comedy since the Zucker brothers were in their prime I did love like before anybody even comes up he just looks at the stairs and he's like fuck I do the same thing looking at, like, a normal flight of stairs. No, for real, though. Like, you you look at that and, like, you feel that in your soul. Two takes. It took the stunt guy who went down all the stairs two takes. The first time he hit a railing. The second time he got what's on film. Oh, God. When he gets knocked all the way the fuck down, and then Donnie fucking Yen and, like, a new challenger has entered the battle, that's when shit got fucking real. I was hyped. My favorite part of the stairway fight is when Donnie Yen brings it back to John Wick Chapter 2. That big guy, you know what he fucking stabs his hand with? With a fucking pencil! I literally, like, whispered (laughs) over to Cody, with a fucking pencil! Uh, But we're going to go into general discussion. Um, I have something I want to bring up, but I think Tanner wanted to go first, so Tanner. So, Bill Skarsgård. His French accent is horrible, and I love it. It's a dog shit French accent. It sounds more Dutch than French. It's perfect. There are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. That's a throwback. Um, that is a fucking throwback, Joe. Anyway, um, so speaking of uh, comedies uh, that this movie reminded me of, I'm going to go back to something I brought up. So when that French cover of Painted Black starts, oh, wow. <laughs> yep. All, yep. all I was expecting was Sasha Baron Cohen, who's going to make a surprise cameo in this, <laughs> and he's going to get fucking killed off. And it's like, it, it, it's literally just Sasha Baron Cohen from Ricky Bobby. Like, they all take place in the same year. Kunya matata, bitches. You guys remember Klaus, right? 
I am Klaus. A Steve Marquardt, the guy who plays Klaus, is a real-life bouncer in Berlin he's never acted before. He works at this famous techno club known as the Berghain. Apparently, he's like the soup Nazi and denies entry to a shitload of people, including, most famously, Conan O'Brien and fucking Elon Musk. He told Elon Musk he couldn't come into the techno club. The irony of his casting is he basically drags John Wick to a techno club for a fight. Mr. Krabs is in this movie. I didn't realize it was him until, like, he was describing the terms of the duel. It's like, holy shit, that's fucking Clancy Brown. SpongeBob, me boy. The way I see it, he's only gotten till sunset. It had to be, like, not looking at his face while he's speaking, because I know his voice. I'm like, oh shit, that's Let's Let's Luther. Just uh, after the duel, Buster Scruggs shows up and just kills Clancy Brown. Okay, so, uh, the John Wick franchise is very famous for paying homage to the Matrix in a lot of their movies in one way or another. Yeah. Guns, lots of guns, they say that quite a bit. Lawrence Fishburne shows up. Did you guys notice the kind of subtle, not-in-your-face one in this? Yeah. <laughs> so this movie ends the same way as Matrix Revolutions. Keanu Reeves dies, and his death is followed by a beautiful sunrise. Aww. So, this actor has uh, everyone's favorite scorpion, uh, Haruyuki Sonata, everyone's favorite scorpion and elder from Bullet Train in this movie, um, and he's cool, but he has a daughter. She, like, did the stunt work incredibly well, I just thought her performance was good, uh, which is nuts because this is her first time acting, because the actress, uh, Rina Sawayama, is uh, actually a singer, a very good one at that. She has a song called This Hell Is Better With You, which is a great song. I love that song. Thanks to uh, You Know Who for introducing me to it. I just wanted to shout her out because she was great and I haven't said, we haven't said anything about her yet, so I wanted to make sure we said something about her. Yeah, Chad Stahelski was on YouTube and saw a couple of her music videos and was able to get in contact with her in the next couple of days. She was hesitant because she was like, I don't do action, but then she trained with the stunt team and they were like, this lady is flexible. And then, you know, she's in the movie. Yeah, stunt choreography and dance choreography are rooted in a lot of the same fundamentals. The skills are more transferable than you'd think. Did you guys hear about that thing Keanu Reeves did to the, the crew after rap? Yeah. Keanu did this thing where he gave every stunt worker a t-shirt with the number of times they died in the movie on it. And for his five-person stunt team, he gave them each a Rolex Submariner watch with a personalized message engraved on the back. A Rolex Submariner is a $10,000 watch. I think he was obviously trying to flex on Pedro Pascal buying five guys for The Last of Us crew. Hey, Keanu, I was your stuntman. Can I have a watch? I, I have some credit card debt I need to pay off. I could just get a Rolex, sell it, and pay it off with ease. This was originally supposed to come out on the same day as The Matrix Resurrections, but they delayed it to have more time in post. How fucking funny would that have been? Well, it would have been hilarious considering I, Matrix 4 already bombed really bad. It would have bombed even harder. Yeah. Well, I remember when they were announcing that they were going to be shooting both of those movies at the same time, I was like, I hope they're just the same movie. I hope that it turns out that John Wick was just like an identity in the Matrix this entire time. 
All right, so two, two things I want to bring up. Uh, one's a very quick aside. So, Austin, I want to go back to your favorite action scene. It's a very fun scene. However, the one question throughout my entire fucking brain the entire time was, uh, it's the same question from the 911 call from the whitest kids you know. Where's the news? Why are people not freaking out more? What is going on? <laughs> Why aren't on? the cars stopping? <laughs> there was a negative review of this movie I read that I didn't agree with, but I understood where it was coming from, where the main criticism was, unlike previous movies in the franchise, you really have to stretch your suspension of disbelief for this one. Remember at the end of 3 where Keanu falls off that giant building and it's like super shocking he's able to live and he needs to recover a bunch? Yeah, Keanu has like similar injuries five fucking times in this one. Oh yeah. Every time something like that happens to him though, I'm just like, he's simply built different. <laughs> Except at the very end, right? I like to think at the very end, that was just like the adrenaline rush wearing off and his body finally realized, oh, I should have died three movies ago. Keep in mind too that all of these movies take place in the span of like a month. A month! <laughs> the worst fucking month ever! His wife dies, he gets a dog, that dies, and then he's like, I'm gonna get revenge and get my car back, and then he finds out that, oh hey, I have this thing I, uh, you gotta kill my sister. Great, you killed your sister. I'm gonna kill Kill you because you killed my sister. Oh, now I'm dead. Oh, by the way, John Wick, because you killed that guy in the hotel. All of New York, by the way, every citizen of New York was secretly an assassin. All of them are trying to kill you. Here's Halle Berry. Oh, cool, you lived. You're still a criminal. And now, like, the table personally wants you dead. What a month. The entire world wants you dead, and you accomplished this in the span of a month. Yeah. The John Wick Chapter 2 poster with all the guns at his head, that's just a pretty good embodiment of the entire franchise. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing I want to bring up is the uh, the hotel fight. Can we talk about how fucking great the setup is there? Honestly, one of the best setups for an action sequence in this entire film. Um, and honestly, the whole series, outside of maybe the uh, setup in 2 where he has to fight everyone after getting back from wherever the fuck he was in 2 and then getting back to New York. That was a fucking solid setup. Oh, um, also his house blew up in this month. I forgot to mention that. Oh yeah, his house blew up. <laughs> Man, what what a fucking lousy, lousy month poor John Wick had. He meets uh, Helen in heaven and Helen's like, what the fuck are you doing here so soon? And he's like, yeah. John, not again. Uh, now we are going to transition into our final thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4. Tanner, we're going to start with you. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Austin, what about you? Final thoughts? Yeah, I'm thinking I'm dead. <laughs> oh, uh, spoilers, by the way. <laughs> I think it's a little late for that joke. <laughs> That's the joke, Tanner. Thank you. Uh, Tim, final thoughts. <laughs> People keep asking me my thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4, and I haven't had an answer for them. But yeah. I'm thinking movie good. <laughs> the most elaborate one yet. All right, my final thoughts. Um, yeah, solid movie. I just wish my theatrical experience was uh, better than the one I wound up getting, especially because I've had a very shit month and I am sick beyond belief. But um, y y you know who else I hope has a better month than the one that I did previously? <laughs> You! Yeah. 
from the person uh, watching slash listening to this episode of Bomb Squad Movie Night. Thank you oh so much for watching and listening. Why don't you go down to the comment section, leave a review, or in, and tell us uh, what it, what do you think of uh, John Wick Chapter 4? Uh, what do you think of the John Wick franchise? Is the knife th- fight in 3 still the best fight sequence? Comment below, let us know. While you're down there, hit the like button so we know how much you love us. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you really love us. Hit the bell icon, uh, but gently because it's been obliterated so many goddamn times so that you can get updates on when we upload new videos. Check out our Spotify, check out our Twitch, uh, check out our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, We got a Patreon. We got reward perks coming up soon uh they're gonna be really cool check them out oh yeah check us out on spotify video and just on spotify where you can get the uncensored version of this episode uh we i don't think we swear too much on this i might be wrong honestly no we swore a lot anyway uh stay tuned uh because the delayed superman the movie podcast will be up next uh hopefully i can crank that shit out (laughs) hopefully i'm feeling better in the morning but in the meantime i'm gonna go take some nyquil and then hopefully i have some really nice dreams and taylor swift shows up i don't know take care (laughs) (laughs) consequences (laughs) Yeah. yeah Yeah, I'm thinking on consequences. (laughs) Alright, hard stop. Where is he? Shit!